0: The message is called to persevering faith. That's the spiritual definition of the message tonight. But the real message is how to keep the joy bells ringing in your heart when the bottom falls out. And all of us have problems, struggles, issues, stress levels, persecution, and even tragedy comes into our lives. Nobody's exempt from it. And so I want to become vulnerable and share my weaknesses and how God worked through those to glorify himself. And I put three P's down before I heard what the other messages were. And a lot of them are the same things you've already heard. But you're going to see how it wove in through my life. So the first P was a passionate devotional life. The second one is... Praying back the promises of God. The third one is pursuing God's calling on your life. And to do that, I need to go back when I first met the Navigators in 1970. I had just come back from two years in Vietnam and I wanted to finish my education. So I decided to go to Vallasta State College because they accepted me. And I was a young Christian. As I got on the campus, I looked out the churches, and basically I went to the churches to find a girl to date. But I heard about this Bible study off campus. I thought, well, I'll check it out. I heard this man from the Moody Air Force Base. He was a jet pilot trainer. He was teaching it, and he was a navigator, but I didn't know that at the time. So I went to his Bible study. And about after three sessions with him, Everybody left, and he says, Dave, I want to talk to you. I go, oh, okay. He says, Dave, you're a basket case as a Christian. And I wanted to punch him out, literally. But I knew he was right. I was a wreck. Rock Bottomley was his name, and I thought that was fictitious too. But, <laughs> so- <laughs> but that really was his name. And Rock said, listen, if you want to play a game, there's a church down the street. Now, I went to that Bible study, and the first thing I noticed when I walked in there, there were no girls. Okay, but these guys were serious. And so he said, we're serious about discipling men that could honor the Lord. And if you're interested, I'll help you out. I said, Rock, I'm ready. Rock was very patient with me because I'm kind of stubborn. He took the Begin with Christ packet, you know, the little green packet here, some in the back there, and those assurance verses changed my life. They were so powerful because it talked about the assurances things in your life. He walked me through the bridge illustration. Most of us are familiar with the bridge. And he took me through the hand illustration to get a grip on the guy's word. But the main thing he did, he imparted his life. He also showed me the boot illustration. You ever heard of the boot illustration? He says, "David, if you're not going to get with it, I'm going to boot you, buddy. <laughs> and he was serious. He was serious. And he allowed me to share my testimonies at different places. And the, the ministry in Charlottesville J- grew exponentially. And so I was so thankful for the almost two years that he invested in my life. At that time, the Navigators asked me to move to Jacksonville, Florida to live in a Navigator home. Now, by that time, going through all that stuff about Oscar, no girls, I thought they were the never-daters. Because <laughs> I never saw these guys date. They were really serious. So moving into a NAV home was a whole other ball game, really. And I was to head up the Jacksonville University ministry. My roommate, Bill Palm, uh, that really was his name, he and I would go on the campus in the morning when the kids were going to classes, and then we go in the evening when they're coming out of classes. And the thing we realized right off the bat is that you can't get into any of the dorms unless you're invited. And guess what? Nobody invited. The second time we went over there, I said, Bill, we're going to walk around this place and we're going to start praying. So for three weeks, we walked around the campus and around the dorms and prayed twice a day out there. And we begin to ask God, what's going on? So this one night... I was really exhausted. I went to the sweet shop for some coffee, and we sat down. I put my Bible on the table there. Bill went over to another side, hoping somebody would see him. All of a sudden, this guy comes up and says, is that a Bible? I said, yes, sure it is. He said, were you here for Bible study? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I want to do Bible study. Can you come in the dorm with me? We said, absolutely. It wasn't just any dorm. It was the ROTC unit dorm, which is the cream of the crop. As I went in with Bill and I met a young Christian, very young Christian. His name was John. And I took him through what Rock did with me, with beginning with Christ, the wheel illustration, writing out your testimony, sharing your faith. He was so excited. The whole time, that took about six, eight months. We did the DFDs, the design for discipleship. So one day, John comes to me really excited. He says, listen, my roommate, Rick, wants you to take him through what you've taken me through. And I says, no. I says, John, you're going to take him through what I've taken you through, but I'll help you. So John took Rick through what we went through. He comes to Christ. Then Rick comes to John and says, John, I want you to take Tom this friend of mine sees such a difference in my life. He wants to know what's going on to take him through what you've taken me. Of course, John says, no, Rick, you take him through it. Those men ended up being the core ministry team there at the campus. And they went all over the world for Christ. And just a powerful message, that that transferable message that, that you could carry all over the world. So after that, the navigator says, Dave... We want you to finish your education. You have one year left, I want you to go back to school. And at first, I was really ticked off. You know, what well, the Navigators are doing this to me? You know, I really enjoyed the ministry. and But I said, okay. I had to do it at night. I worked during the day to pay for my education along with a GI Bill. So I was in the library. I got over there a little early. I was in the library and I'm up on there, sitting in a chair. I like a couch almost, and I was reading verses and praying, and I think I fell asleep, but that could happen. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I just had this feeling somebody was next to me, and I opened my eyes, and there's the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen in my life. And she says, uh, you don't remember me, do you? Well, while I was at the university ministry, I was taking those guys, getting them socialized through the First Baptist Church. So I taught the college and career class. And there were like 70 kids in there, and she was part of that. And so her name was Chris. And she says, I just become a Christian, and I want to grow. So I figured, I'm going to run this girl off, but I don't need this right now. <laughs> so I said, listen, here's the beginning with Christ pack. Now, what we're going to do, if you're serious... We're going to memorize a verse a week, and we're going to do a Bible study on each verse. And I gave her the pack. I said, the appointment up for the next week. I figured she wouldn't show. She showed up. I says, uh, how'd you do on the verse? She says, oh, man, I love that verse. In fact, I was so excited, I memorized all five of them. I go, now it took me three weeks to memorize all five of them. She was really hungry. So I figured, okay. I got 60 more for you. She took them. And we started doing Bible studies on those verses. And we started witnessing on the campus. And all of a sudden we saw how God was really knitting our hearts together because I wanted to give my life for people. And she was going into the Army to be a physical therapist. Two different directions. I said, this is not good. What do you think? She says, I'm willing to make the change because I want to commit myself to helping young girls grow in Christ-likeness. I said, good. So I had to go talk to her dad. Now, remember, coming back from Vietnam, I had this beard. I looked like Moses off the backside. I mean, literally. And my father-in-law, he was 32 years in the Navy. He commanded the independence off of Vietnam. And he was one tough cracker. So I had to go ask for our hand in marriage. Now, I didn't have a car. I was hitchhiking to the campus. I didn't have a job except spraying ceilings and that really was nothing. And I didn't have my education yet. We're sitting at the table, it was Valentine's Day. He says, I'd like for everybody to leave the room, so I was ready to leave He says, No, you stay back. He says You can't move in with us. You don't have a job. You don't have any money. You can't live on love. What are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to trust God to, to open those doors. And it wasn't a month later that some guy gave me his car. Three months later, I was going through the job placement things. And normally they don't leave their books out, but they left their books out. And the last page in the book was this job, counseling veterans. Well, he had to have a BA degree, been a Vietnam veteran, and I had spent two years over there, so I could relate to that. And so I called the guy up. He says, we haven't even advertised this job yet. He said, how did you hear about it? I said, well, I found it in the book. So he interviewed me, and I had to go to the provost of the campus to be interviewed by him. And so I got the job and graduated that year as well. We were married and started to ask the navigators where, where we fit in now. They asked us, Chris and I, to go to the military ministry. Now, Jacksonville, Florida had three major bases there and a couple of secret bases. You could go to Mayport with the Navy going out. You could go NAS Jacks or Cecil Field where the, they had the F-16s. And So we went to Cecil Field. At first we got there The first time we went to the chaplain and went to the service, he talked about Don Quixote, and that was his mission in life. We drove back that day. Chris started crying. I said, what are you crying for? She says, there's no Christians out there. I says, good, we can't miss. So so we came back, and the chaplain said, I told him what my heart was. I said, I want to help people grow in Christ like this. And he says, well, we're going to send everybody who wants to know about Jesus to you. I said, good. So he did that. We brought a bunch of men up to the Norman Park Assembly Ground with the Navigator Disciple Makers Conference. They asked me to come over and meet this couple. And I said, well, who's that? And he says, it's this old guy over here. It was Noel and Carrie Nelson. I got to know Noel, and we became drinking buddies, coffee that is. He invited Chris and I to come to Atlanta to be involved in a ministry up in the state of Georgia. He was the state director at that time. So we moved from Jacksonville up to Atlanta. For the first time, I saw the importance of prayer. I mean, I prayed before, and intercessory prayer, pray for your men. But I mean intently, I I mean, I don't know if you remember that Noel carried a little black book. And if he put your name in there, you were being prayed for. And so many times during the day we'd be there and we had the staff list and everything. We'd be praying through that book for people and their requests. That was a tremendous ministry in my heart. To see he loved the word, he loved people, and he prayed like a wild man. The other thing was that while we were there with Noel and Carey, they had an impact on my wife as well. But it was about three years after we moved up there, my wife ended up with a brain tumor. It was on the pituitary. I thought, okay. We ended up going to uh, St. Joseph Hospital there and the neurosurgeons and they said, well, we gotta drill a hole in her head and shrink her brain. They're preparing her for surgery Noah says, we're going out to the parking lot. I mean, the hospital is a big parking lot. And we walked for, I mean, the surgery was about six hours. So we walked and prayed and claimed promises and walked and prayed and everything. And we just, the bottom line was, are you willing to hold her like this? You know, that was a tough decision because it was the love of my life. But God delivered her from that. But they had to put her on steroids and when they put her on steroids, it affected her bone density. But the tumor came back three years later. So I'm saying, okay, there we go. Back in the parking lot, same surgeon, same hospital. we we'll walk in the parking lot. But this time the tumor was on our optic nerves. I said, okay, doc, what's, what's gonna happen here? He says, well, there's a lot of things that could happen. One, they're gonna have to scrape the tumor off of there and she could lose her eyesight. I said, okay, or she might go blind or she might have her vision impaired. So we just had to once again, come back to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, this is what you have. And I'm willing to walk in it. So we walked the parking lot again, another six hour surgery. They ended up having to do 25 uh, sessions of radiation. Afterwards, but it didn 't affect your eyesight, but through those processes, I was a caretaker for my wife. that taught me a lot about how to die to self because I mean, I thought I was a nice guy until I got married, and then you see like you 're talking about, you see how selfish you are. Well, this busted it all <laughs> even though I knew the power of God. I kept asking this question. And many of you probably fall into this. Okay, God, I just want to serve you. I want to be a disciple maker. I want to be fruitful. But why is all this happening? We all have problems and stress levels, but it's the wrong question. God spoke to my heart. He says, Dave, the real question is, when you're going through all these circumstances, how are you going to glorify me? That's a real question. And for us to go through these tumultuous times in our lives, how can I glorify God? And so uh, I spent over 40 years with Noel in Atlanta. We tested the 2-7 series, some of you are familiar with that. We had that going on in many churches. Noel moved to Clarksville and I moved to Nashville. We had moved up there we were in our house five months, and it burned to the ground. I go, okay, Lord. Now, I have to tell you what happened. Before we moved, my wife and I got on our hands and knees. and We says, Lord, we want to use you in our neighborhood we're going to be moving into. But I didn't think God was going to burn my house down <laughs> to do that. But after that, people from the community came by and brought us clothes. People fed us because they had to bulldoze it, and so even after they built the new home on the same spot, we'd walk the community, and they'd say, "Well, who are you guys?" I said, we were one of the ones in the house that burned to the ground." I said, "Oh yeah, we know you guys." <laughs> we also joined a church that was a brand new church. It was a daughter church. They started with eight couples, and by the time we got there, they had about 50 people. And we called it a disciple-making pastor. For the first time, here was somebody I could connect with right there. That the pastor really had his heart set on discipleship. And we clicked right away. And so I just went in with the idea of how can I serve you? How can I be your friend and how can I be your prayer warrior to pray for you? You would think I gave him the world because pastors need that. We need that. And though somebody's got our back. Noel had my back. He was my accountability and my mentor for over over 40 years. It was powerful. And so the church, when I went there, the average age was 25. So we had the newlyweds and the nearly-deads in me. (laughs) And, 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 you know, but here's the thing about it. We spent two years discipling the elders so they could disciple the the others. And there were such changes in the elders in their marriages that their parents started coming because they saw such a big change. And I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is working out really good. In 2018, I was diagnosed because of Agent Orange, advanced prostate cancer. And so I said, okay, it's not why. How are you going to glorify yourself through this? So I had to have people drive me, and I went to meet the radiation team, because they wanted to try to do surgery, but my, because of the Agent Orange, I had my low blood platelets, and so I would have bled to death. So they, I mean, I was five minutes from going under the knife, and the guy looked at the chart and says, we can't operate on you. So I got dressed, and we left, and they said, you're going to radiation. So I go to see, meet the radiation team, And on the first session, I asked the the team, I says, how serious is this? And they said, this is really serious. And I says, well, if it's that way, I think we need to pray about this for you guys in the surgery. And, of course, you know, they all kind of... But one person in the background says, yeah, go ahead. So I begin to pray for them and their families and their success. So I do the first session... And when I'm done with the first session, they come to me and say, Would you do that every time? The amazing thing was, I got to share my testimony. I got to pray with people and share the, the begin with price pack. I got to I mean it was just a glorious time. And then the people who were taking me back and forth, I got to share with them. When we see the the circumstance being so bleak. There's always the power of God ready to work and when we don't see that. Well, in 2019, my wife had a head-on collision and was in the trauma center for 10 days. We weren't sure she was going to come out of there or what condition. found a, a tumor on her brain, and we're not sure that's what caused her to have the head-on collision. But I became the caretaker. I mean... It's one thing to see your wife go through those surgeries with the, the tumors, but it's another thing to have to bathe her, have to put her clothes on, have to brush her teeth, comb her hair, and whatever. And so what that did for me was prayer. I could, I could pray during those times. And so uh, it was a slow recovery and she and she responded well. But then in October of that same year, she had kidney stones and passed out at the house. Once again, we get her in the hospital and she catches septus in the hospital. It almost dies, another 10 days in the hospital. Another time, now I'm back to caretaking. So she starts to progress really well. Then in December of that year, she passes out at the house again, and she's had seizures. And we don't know if it's from this tumor or from what. Anyway, she can't drive anymore. So she was in the hospital for another 10 days. All this to share about those three Ps, and I'm going to share some verses with you. The question I had was, how do you handle these problems, trials and persecutions, even tragedy? And uh, I mentioned it. How can I glorify the Lord? That's the the real question. So do you remember Habakkuk 3.17? Can anybody look that up? Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will exalt exalt in the Lord, and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Amen. Are we willing to, when we go through these trials, and we're all going to have them, are we going to exalt the Lord? Are we going to seek His face? James 1, 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. can you count it all joy when you're going through some trials when you don't have the right the answers to what's going on this is what they're talking about here and we don't want to be double minded we want to ask God for wisdom in understanding these things in Romans 5 1 through 5 someone look that up Romans 5 1 through 5 therefore since we have been justified through faith who has been given to us. Hmm. So, so a lot of these things are there to to develop our faith, our trust in him. And and many times I found that I, I'm not a super Christian. I'm just an average guy wanting to trust God every day. And and that's where we put our hope in him and not in the flesh. So, back to those three P's, having a passionate devotional life. How's your time with the Lord? Here are some verses that really impacted my life Psalm 27:4. One thing I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty in the Lord. Very impactful. Setting that one thing that's so important. Psalm 34 8, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Jeremiah 29 13, You shall seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. So God wants to be that intimate with you, and uh, He'll use circumstances to do that. John 15:5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, If you remain in me and I in you, the same shall bring forth much fruit. Without me you can do nothing, as we learned. So a lot of these verses we've already talked about this weekend, you have to be intentional. What can we do to get this passion revived back in our hearts for the Lord? And I listed a few things uh, that some of them were already mentioned, but Set a plan and a place to meet with God. Read the Bible for enjoyment. And watch God work. While I was uh, recovering from the surgery, I mean from the radiation, someone asked me to go to a nursing home out of Atlanta. And they lived in Nashville. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll go over and visit Steve. And so... uh, I went over there and I went in and said, hey, I'm Dave, you know, and I'm just, just I want to find out about your life. Well, he kind of looked at me, you could tell by the expression on his face, it was like, what's this old fart selling? And I said, no, I just want to come and be a friend. So about for the first three months, I just went there and visited and found his backstory. So after a while, I says, uh, Steve, you went to Vanderbilt, you got an engineering degree, you're pretty smart. He goes, yes, I am. So, uh, and his language was pretty rough, and he wasn't a believer, and uh, even the priest was afraid to go in there and talk to him. And the nurses, the nurses ran out. Uh, I says, would you like to read the Bible just for enjoyment? He said, yeah, I would. You know, so we started reading the Bible for a year. Started with John. And then we did, I said, uh, after about a year, I said, Steve, you've had so many questions. We've talked about this. Why don't we do Bible study? He says, okay. Well, we started in Ephesians. And you get to, in Ephesians, you really get to the gospel. That it's not by works because he came out of a Roman Catholic background. And uh, uh, you're saved by grace. Grace. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so during the process of doing a Bible study through Ephesians, he ended up coming to Christ. Now, you got to understand, Steve was this kind of wild man. So I said, well, how do we guide this? He says, well, I'm going to introduce you everybody on the floor. So we had a ministry going on in the, the uh, nursing home, rehab center. And so... Uh, <laughs> One of them, I remember, we were doing Bible study and he was sharing it with one of the guys in the other room and his name was John Pope and his roommate was listening to the whole thing, you know. So I said, we're going to pray for you, John. And we prayed for him. And so I turned around to the other guy and I says, could we pray for you? And he says, well, I don't know. I'm an Episcopalian. Can you pray for me? <laughs> so, but God used that time, pretty much so. Later, his family started calling me. What's going on with his life? Because he had two daughters, and he had a wife, and she hardly came, and the kids never came over. And so I was his lifeline and his ministry team there. And we even shared with the priest and had such a great time with that. And then the other questions that you've already looked at. Is there a, plan, a, a, a command to obey, a sin to forsake, a promise of God? Uh, something new about God. And then the second P was praying the promises of God. Now here's some verses that really impacted me. One is Isaiah 43:4. It says, Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou art but honorable, and therefore I would give men for thee and people for thy life. And I thought, well, that's what I wanted to do with my life. That's what I share with Chris. As she was growing, I said, this is what I want to do with my life. And it impacted me in a way that I could pray that for men to have that desire. How about 2 Corinthians 9.8? But God is faithful. Anybody know 2 Corinthians 9.8? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. Well, that's what God wants us to do. Jeremiah 33.3, when I was with Rock, he said, I want to give you God's telephone number. I said, what? I didn't know he had one. (laughs) He said, Jeremiah 33.3, it says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That impacted my life that, hey, we could bring anything to God. Even our deficiencies and weaknesses, I mean, that's the best time. Because that's where he works. It's when we're proud that nothing works well. Isaiah 65, 24. Before you call, I will answer. And while you speaking, I will hear you. Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Uh, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. The key there is according to His will. Even Jesus prayed that in the garden, Lord, not my will, but Thine be done. So when I was going through all these crises with my wife and the situation in my own life, not my will, but His be done. And then for pursuing God's calling on your life, John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. That whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. And of course, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It starts out, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And Lord I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. So God never wants to, us to keep these things to ourselves. You need to be between two people. Someone in your life, and you're passing it on. We need to share them with others. So if you've learned some things this weekend, don't keep it to yourself. You may even go home and share it with your wife. You might go home and share it with a friend. But do share it, don't let it go by and another important thing that became effective in as an accountability partner was a Noel Nelson and my mentor and so for 41 years we uh, bounced things back and forth and cried and wept and prayed and sought his face and and many of you knew Noel, and we know that he's gone with the Lord, and we all miss him, but he left a legacy in our lives. The reason when he died, my life was kind of turned upside down. Because I, I was looking for a man that had the same heart that I had. And at that time, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. But I began to pray, God, give me a man that has a heart for you, that wants to disciple men, that wants to walk and have a godly life. Well, that year that I prayed that, I met a guy named Scott Osborne, and Scott's going to come and share his testimony, but he is that kind of man, the kind of man that's a fat man, faithful, available, and teachable, and just uh, thank you for the time and for your grace.